Welcome to That's the Word, Wholesome Tales for the Whole Family. I'm Father James Yamauchi. Today's story, Medicine for the Soul. Dr. Bartoli was shocked at the poor body that lay before him. Though the doctor was used to seeing all forms of illnesses and injuries, he was not prepared for the horror of the brutal wounds all over the delicate body of the patient. The doctor patiently jotted down his observations. Injuries to the pericardium, left lung, heart, diaphragm, small intestine, iliac artery, and mesentery. What in the name of God happened? Dr. Bartoli muttered to himself, but he knew there was no time to answer the question. It was a miracle that the patient was still alive, given the great loss of blood. Dr. Bartoli, whispered a colleague, pulling the doctor aside. I don't know if we can proceed with an operation. Dr. Bartoli glanced at the patient, the wounded body struggling for air. This weak body will not tolerate anesthesia, the colleague continued. It is my opinion that there is little hope for survival, and the operation would be too long and painful. In his gut, Dr. Bartoli knew the prognosis was reasonable, but it was important to weigh all options. After a brief discussion, the decision was clear. They would attempt to save the patient's life. Throughout the two hours of surgery, Dr. Bartoli kept his eyes on the patient and marveled at the bravery he witnessed. The patient was fully conscious as they widened each wound in order to sew them up from the inside out. Two hours later, the surgery was completed, and Dr. Bartoli spoke quietly to his colleague. You do realize that the patient did not cry out in pain even one time. He shook his head in amazement. Then he felt a tug on his arm. It was the patient asking for some water. Dr. Bartoli wanted to oblige. The room was hot and humid, but he could not. Your intestines are pierced, and giving you water would exasperate your condition. The patient let go of the doctor's arm with serene resignation. The patient's fortitude, together with a quiet and perfect patience, during the lengthy and painful surgery, impressed Dr. Bartoli. He promised that the family member would be allowed to be at the patient's side. Over the course of the next several hours, the patient was monitored by family and the hospital staff. Despite the best efforts of Dr. Bartoli, the infection and bleeding could not be controlled. The police arrived to interview the patient. 
Two religious sisters were at the patient's bedside encouraging prayer throughout the ordeal. As the patient's condition deteriorated, Dr. Bartoli saw the local priest speak with the patient. He overheard the priest tell the patient as he pointed to the crucifix on the wall, Remember what happened when Jesus went through his agony and passion. One of the first things he did on the cross was to forgive his executioners. The priest paused briefly before asking, Do you want to forgive your murderer? The patient looked up with a gentle and peaceful expression and promptly replied, Yes, for the love of Jesus, I forgive him and want him to be in paradise with me. Neither Dr. Bartoli nor anyone at the hospital that day would have believed that within 50 years of the patient's death, 500,000 people would gather at the Vatican to honor his patient who suffered a brutal attack to protect her virtue. The patient Dr. Bartoli attempted to save that summer night is ranked among the youngest canonized saints in history who, at the age of 11, forgave her 20-year-old attacker on her deathbed, a heroic act that bore fruit when the criminal experienced a profound conversion in prison and, when released, went to beg the forgiveness of the saint's mother. This mother was present at St. Peter's Square for the canonization of her daughter, who serves to this day as a model of courage, purity, and a reminder of the power of forgiveness. St. Maria Goretti. And for this week, that's the word. A lot of times you'll hear people say that Alessandro Serenelli, her murderer, was also there, the murderer who repented later on. He was actually supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. But at the canonization. At the canonization. But his ride died. The guy who was supposed to take him and drive him into town to go to the uh, canonization uh, died that day. So he was kind of standing there, I guess, at the door waiting for his ride to pick him up, but no one ever came. Oh, wow. So... It would have been cool if he had been able to make it there, but he wasn't actually able to make it there. But he died a very different man from the young man who committed this heinous act. After he got out of prison, he went to a monastery and became the doorkeeper. He was never a monk, but he lived at the monastery and followed their life. And St. Marguerite has become very famous throughout the 20th century. You can also go to her home outside of Natuno which is right at a small town outside of Rome near the beaches of Anzio. It's interesting. I remember going there one time, and one of the things I learned about Natuno is it's basically the the home of baseball in in Italy. (laughs) I didn't know they played baseball in Italy. So anyway, that was an interesting fact I learned being in Natuno. But as you know, it's easy to get to Natuno from the train station in Rome, but it's hard to actually get to her house because it's outside Natuno, and there's like a bus that comes very irregularly. 
I sat at the bus stop. I was waiting there, I think, for about half an hour at least mm -hmm. before I finally gave up because I also wasn't sure. I was thinking, okay, this is the stop. I think that's what he said. I think it, he said they was going to come here at this time. I think. I hope. Maybe not. At least you were in civilization when you were waiting hopelessly for the bus. I went with some college students and I actually was very excited because we got on the bus to go to the house. So, and it's not that far of a, of a bus ride, but you just couldn't walk it. It's a little confusing and everything. So we get, we get there and it's like, great, we're at St. Maria Goretti's place and some nuns make sure that the area is preserved. You can go right into the house. There's a marker where the attack happened and you can just see the simplicity of the life of the Goretti family. But then we had the fun issue of going back to the bus stop. And I remember there's like a little, very, very small, it's like a little restaurant that may have some things to sell. And then this house, and that's it along this road. And we were just waiting for the bus. At least with you, when you were in Nintendo, you can say, okay, well, I can't do this. I'll go back to the train station we're just stuck there and we were there. It was funny. There was a, the gentleman who lived at the house across the street kept looking out his window at us. We were just <laughs> like, I'm not just wave to him. I mean, obviously he's got to know there's some Americans here just waiting for the bus. And thank goodness the bus eventually arrived. And I guess it was, I know it was worth it uh, to be able to actually go to our house. But uh, at the same time, it was a little, um, tense with figuring out how we were going to get back home. The bus was not going to show up. If you enjoy That's the Word, please share the word. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter at sonsofthunderrock.com. That's also where you can find our social links if you want to contact us to give us story ideas or give feedback. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next Wednesday for another wholesome tale for the whole family. <laughs>